Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. Uh, I'm Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcast person, podcast person, podcast person. That's fine, fuck it, keep it in. Um, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst, and I am also a podcast person uh, and I write about film and I write films and occasionally I direct films as well. And I'm very excited to talk briefly today about Blood Rage, which is a film I would have loved to have directed. It is amazing. But the reason I say briefly is I'm only here for the intro um, because of scheduling issues. Um, I'm actually not really going to be in this one. But who is going to be in this one, Dan? I don't know you in surname. Can't. Um, you won't tell me? Right, we are not going to do a two Ronnie <laughs> sketch. <laughs> Ewan can't. So yes. Ewan is one of the um, Arrow staff. He was the producer on the release of Blood Rage. Uh, it's something of a labour of love for him. So uh, we were going to have him with us on the whole podcast, but um, it just hasn't really worked out timing-wise. So Sam has gallantly stepped aside so that Ewan can come in and, and talk to me about this one later in the week. Yes. Because what are you going to be doing, Sam? Why can't you come back later in the week? I, I am actually doing something very exciting. I'm in rehearsals uh, for my uh, first ever feature film. So um, uh, I will be... I'll be working with uh, my amazing actor next week. Um, I'm very sad to miss out on Blood Rage um, because I do love it. Um, one of the best cinematic experiences of my life was watching it at the Prince Charles Cinema um, as part of the, the summer slasher overnighter that they put on, that Arrow put on. Where we were announced, we, where as we, not as yeah. people. Not as people, as podcast hosts. And, and um yeah, no, it was just an amazing night. Um, the Burning play, the Mutilator, what else, Dan? Uh, um, ba 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 ba. I can't remember. I'm so, so tired for most of it. Um, it was five films, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was uh, Burning, Mutilator, Blood Rage, Slayer. And Madman. Oh, it was Madman, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. Madman. So um, an amazing night. And uh, yeah, Blood Rage, uh, just I'll let you know this very briefly. Um, the first time I watched it, it was after I'd seen um, Sleepaway Camp for the first time. And so I was on the hunt for similar kind of things. And um, someone recommended Blood Rage to me because it's sort of it's tonally quite similar and has kind of a similar uh, batshit ending. Um, so yeah, I uh, look forward to listening to this podcast myself dan um as you there you go basically you're gonna interview you and aren't yes, you yes yeah so, we're gonna have um, a chat with you yeah we'll uh, we'll go straight into that now um i'll i'll see you after i'll still come back and do recommendations see you in a minute but, sam um, yeah uh enjoy blood rage with dan martin and you and can't our guest podcast person yeah thanks sam uh and me in the past I am now here with Ewan Kant, who was project producer, is that right? Yeah, um, I handled the acquisition and the production of the disc, so basically the whole enchilada. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, for Blood Rage, uh, obviously. Now, when we first decided that we were going to tackle Blood Rage, Mike said we absolutely had to talk to you, because obviously not only were you thoroughly involved in every aspect of the disc coming to fruition but he described it as something of a labor of love for you was it a film you had a particular connection to before arrow acquired it well it wasn't it wasn't one of the ones that i saw like when i was a kid and saw all the you know i went through a phase of seeing all the kind of the classic child's play nightmare on elm street 
Halloween, Friday the 13th, and all that stuff. And then when I got into my teens, kind of moved into the video nasties and trying to see as many of those as I could. And then kind of, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago, I kind of, I'd always been into slasher films, but I kind of became really obsessed with like looking into the most, you know, obscure 80s slasher movies. Um, it's very difficult to say like exactly why slasher movies I became so obsessed with, but it was just something about the subgenre that I really, you know, just really liked delving into and trying to find the next, you know, maybe hidden gem. And um, Blood Rage was one of those ones that I came across, at, you know, when I was delving into the annals of slasherdom. And it was one that, you know, when I finally got it, you know, it was it was one of the ones that, some, you know, I, I have the ability, I think, to kind of see good points in all in all these um in all these movies I always find something that I can take away from them um maybe despite themselves um but Blood Rage was one that when I saw it it actually really delivered on the you know the cool artwork and um the taglines and um it just really delivered on everything and I think I probably came to it at about a point when I'd been at Arrow for a bit and you know, I was I had built up a bit of an awareness of acquiring films and had to find films and things like that. And then I, when I came across that one and realised there was no, not even a, a good quality DVD, I just sort of set about trying to hunt it down. So and did you pitch it to Arrow? You said we should do this. Yeah, I was. So I was working. Yeah, so I was at the time. I was I was purely like producing the discs. So you know, getting everything together and overseeing the extras and the production and all that. But yeah, I think there'd been a few other titles that I'd sort of floated, but that was one of the first ones where I actually I managed to find the rights holder. They, you know, it's just such a, a great feeling when you get a, somebody sends through an inventory of a film that you've been trying to unearth and it's, you know, five five reels of negative and it's all, wow. in, all in good condition and you get photos of the cans and stuff like that. Uh, so it's the first one that I really, yeah, lined up and... Then, yeah, I sort of pitched it. I'd like to think that, you know, Arrow sort of had some faith in my, you know, if anything, in my um, taste of 80s, obscure 80s slasher films. Had anyone else seen it when you mentioned it? Did any, was the reaction, what now? Or um, were there any other? I don't, I, I mean, because it was quite obscure to me. I don't think anyone else was familiar with it in particular. But, um, but, you know, there was definitely like an enthusiasm for it. I mean, the way you pitch kind of titles is, you know, you sort of say, well, it's like this or it's got elements of that. And, uh, you know, you sort of find the, you know, the, the, the key, you know, to use the kind of like ad speak, the selling points to try and convince people when really it's just me wanting to own a Blu-ray of an obscure <laughs> slasher movie, uh, you know, that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm trying to, you know, these films that I want to own, I'm sort of finding ways to uh, sneak them around Arrow and get them into production. So, um, <laughs> well, Under what circumstances did you first see it? You say you were sort of, you were plumbing the depths, as it were. Yeah, I sort of had a bit of a period where I was quite obsessed with, like, eBaying, you know, VHS. I mean, I'd love to say this was one that I saw back in the day, but, I mean, it just didn't really have a profile in the UK. Um mm. I'm trying to even I don't can't even think of a UK VHS. So I mean I didn't really have any and this is all, you know, not to sound like an old fart, but this is just pre kind of eBay and Amazon, you know, when I was getting into all these films. So there just wasn't really the opportunity. Like now I hate to say probably even now today I could go on YouTube and find it. 
Um, but it just wasn't. <laughs> yeah, not, cut, I mean, cut not that bit. Beautiful, yeah. remastered. No, well, unless somebody's <laughs> being particularly naughty, but um, just didn't really have the opportunity to see it. You know, so I was sort of playing catch up, really, and I was going, you know, spending all my time on eBay looking, you know, bidding on VHS copies and stuff. And then I think I eventually got one that was in, you know, decent condition and got that through. Nice. And then I think got my, 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 poor dad to um like up in his study to like transfer it to a dvd so i could watch it wow um <laughs> well I, I it was a longer story than that i actually i was working somewhere else and i tried i don't know if i should say this but gave it tried to sneak it in the back door of a lab that somebody was going to do for a favor and they got caught with a bag of 80s vhs and were probably told that they weren't supposed to be transferring them for freebies so that's um, uh, there's there's a beautiful um there's a beautiful sort of culture of the the people that've got into the industry and, and especially the sort of the the peripheral wings of the film industry like you know sort of media mastering and that kind of stuff uh who do like do a little bit of trade and stuff like that yeah. I have a, a friend currently um uh transferring a load of old german animations <laughs> <Right>. for me <laughs> and we and we've talked about this in the past but um uh, some friends over at the BFI had me into one of their check rooms for my birthday and DCP'd a bunch of things I'd never seen on the big screen for Nice. So we watched the Todd Killings and one of the Zatoichi films. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's with these with these movies, we're, we're quite open, or I'm, I'm quite open on the podcast about the fact that oftentimes, back in the day, when I was sort of hunting this stuff out, often the only option in pre-YouTube, pre-eBay times was like these old bootleg fairs where you know people would have copies of like an nth generation greek rental vhs mm. that was always a, a great option yeah greek greek dubs. vhs seemed to be quite a big yeah. thing well I'm it's not... because they didn't care about copyright either so they just right, buy everything. Right. yeah so but but that's kind of where arrows come in is that now actually there is a legitimate source for some mm -hmm. of these really rare and exciting projects. Did it? You say it. You you managed to find like a nice, a decent cine print of it, a, a negative as well. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. After kind of, I mean, sometimes these these things can take you know years. I mean, there's stuff that I'm working yeah. on now that I've still been you know been tinkering away at. Um, oh, yeah, and just hoping that eventually the stars are going to align. Um, but yeah, I think. After trying to sort of reach out to the director, I ended up uh, locating the producer and a um, guy called um, uh, John Daly, who um, who actually now co-owns the film with the producer, um, who luckily was you know very receptive and open to like discussing. You know, got back in touch, and then it just kind of went from there. And did they did they have a bunch of the extras sort of ready to go? Like, were they waiting for someone to be ready? No, I mean I, that's what I was kind of surprised about. I mean, I kind of heard from a few other people, uh, you know, friends in other labels. You know, oh, we had looked at that, or so and so had looked at that. But um, I mean, I was just. I was it was just a real a real find you know I mean there's been plenty of other films that I've you know tried to track down and you know maybe we've missed out on and sort of you know a bit too late to coming to something but um it was just there and they were you know it as soon as once I finally found the people that I needed to talk to it, it all just kind of went from there really and yeah the you know the negative had been nicely stored in temperature controlled storage and all the elements were there. I, th I seem to. I think we maybe had an issue with the audio. There was something with the. We ended up taking it maybe not from the the mag tracks. There was something about it that didn't sync up, which was a bit odd. But 
apart from that, it was... And I think my favourite thing of all was when I got a picture of one of the cans and it had sort of tape on it saying Blood Rage, quote-unquote, hard version. And that was just, for me, that was just like... I don't know, it was just... Oh, man, yeah, that's like... You know, that's just... It's just, you know, just complete, you know, yeah, horror, exactly. geekgasm right there. That's just, like when you know. someone turns up at the booth fairs in, yeah, it in was that and they're like, it's yeah. got an extra nine seconds. Well, that's and it. You're it's like, yes, they're the best nine seconds, obviously. Yeah, and, you know, we, we both grew up with that kind of attitude and you know that way of going about things and you know it's it's that same you know i'm trying to recapture the same yeah man excitement that i had you know when i was well, i've got i've got i've got one for you maybe um okay. <laughs> when uh i don't know if you remember Eurofest, which used to play at the um uh, yeah i've seen there's some really sketchy vhs like um, video cam yeah. stuff on YouTube of it, yeah, with yeah, Fulci. So, and, uh, Trevor Barley used to run it. Uh, he right. did a couple of like zany things and, and had a, a, a mail order shop in the pre internet yeah. days. And he um he he tracked down prints and and it was pretty much just if you can get it then they'll play it. I remember yeah. they played Tombs of the Blind Dead in Spanish without subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. brilliant, right? Yeah. Um, but they played. That was the first place I saw Expose um, mm-hmm. House on Straw Hill. Yeah. And um and I chatted to and my my, name, my mind's gone blank. I chatted to the director in the lobby afterwards because he was mm. there to introduce it and he was like, I've never seen that car. That's longer than anything. <laughs> That's got more yeah. knife strikes, more special effects in it. Like I remember filming the stuff, but I've never seen yeah. that edit. And I've for the rest of my life, I've been trying to track down that edit. I've yeah, never, yeah. Never come not found it. No, no, no. But I think the problem is that now I'm relying on my memory of that edit from like what ninety four. Yeah. Well, that's that's. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. That I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, just to digress. Recently, when we were working on the Children of the Corn release, yeah, um, there was a lot of talk online about um, an extended director's cut, and uh, you know, various people saying. Uh, the story went that it would only it only been shown on I think ITV ITN. Okay. Uh, so that's a UK terrestrial channel uh, in '87 I think on the specific date and people kept talking about it and you know you go down the threads and after a few years somebody eventually turned up with a copy of that recording and of course it was the regular version of the film. So then after that everyone was saying well actually no there was a second screening on LWT or something like Myth. that. 89 um you know and i saw this footage and there's all this extra stuff and you know i mean i would love for that to be true i mean it could still be true i hope it is and you know eventually we turn up an extended cup the children of children of the corn would be amazing but um from you know we you know we did as much research as we could do and just nothing you know chasing whispers (laughs) yeah yeah and i suppose it's yeah it's kind of setting yourself a limit as to how far you're going to take that because yeah like you say i mean there's i'm i you know i've experienced the same thing when i've remembered something and i've clearly can recall these images that ended up not actually being in the film but i don't know that was a big digression but no no it's good we do we do a lot of digression on mm, the podcast yeah, okay. it's my specialty <laughs> so uh, obviously the extras are pretty amazing there's an in, no they're very comprehensive You've uh, you've got people as as wide as uh, as Ted Raimi. Yeah, um, yeah. Was that a pre-existing interview or um, that was kind of fortuitous because obviously he's in the film for like ten seconds and it's his or first something. Role. 
Um, he talks in the interview. Okay, well, I haven't he seen it recently. He would have gone home and given up acting. Right, right. He said to his parents, "I'm moving to New York. Yeah, I'm going to be an actor." And then he and they said, "Okay, but if you don't get a job in the first year, yeah, you come home and work in he I said, don't know, whatever the yeah. hardware store, where, whatever the business they had." Yeah. And this was uh, the yeah, Blood Rage was the the movie that kept him in Hollywood. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, sort of New York. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's only in it for like a really, really like blink and you'll miss. But um, I think um, so. Red shirt pictures. Um, who would you know, Michael Felsher, who I'm sure you know many listeners will yep. know about his work i think he was interviewing sam raimi for potentially for the army of darkness screen release so it just happened that you know we were able to get the the five minutes with ted or three minutes with ted or so you just chuck you know. a question an extra question in a bonus yeah question. yeah you know i mean that's you know why not that's nice um, yeah and then um uh, how did you like was ed french easy to contact the special effects artist because obviously he's gone on to some pretty huge things yeah um like he's quite a name in hollywood now so yeah but this was right at the beginning of his career as well yeah yeah um i think he probably came a bit later to um to the blood rage party i think maybe he was perhaps a bit tentative at first but we managed to talk him around to doing it and you know i mean it's one of his, like, as you say, one of his first films, and of course yeah. he has a, a fabulous role in it. And yes. uh, you know, I mean, being a you know special effects artist yourself, I mean, uh, I can There's imagine some... the 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 joy of being able to decapitate yourself on screen must be absolutely. And and to be honest, it's it's really nice to see. There's a, there's a there's a big dividing line. You know, you can draw lines across these subgenres any way you want, but there's a big line between the ones that deliver on the promise of this sort of like blood, you yeah. know, the blood spattered horror, and then the others that might have a, a horrific, gruesome painting on the poster, but then actually they're yeah. pretty, pretty tame. Yeah. And this, you know, it's got some pretty good effects. The um, yeah, yeah. The, the the axe wound to the face in the drive-in murder right at the beginning is yeah. genuinely quite unpleasant. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Upsetting. yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see. It's because he, he puts his hand up as well to shield himself, so you yeah. get the kind of the hand, you know, the defense wound. I guess you would call yeah. it in the special effects business or whatever. It is indeed. Uh, um, anthology. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's yeah, anthology. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's nasty. I mean, I think my my favorite is probably still. Uh, uh, poor Brad, um, Louise Lasser's bow, um, getting his hand lopped off. I mean, my favourite bit is, I'm sure it's a standout bit for most people, is when she eventually, after spending most of the film on the phone, for some reason, because I'm sure they live in the same apartment block. There's a um, lot of not, not that I'm here to... Phone on sofa chat. <laughs> yeah, not that I'm here to put any holes in blood rage because I fucking love it to death and it's just one of the best. But... Um, when she eventually decides to go down to his office, I guess it is, to check on him, and uh, his body's kind of there slumped. Yeah. You know, and she's... Uh, just, and then she prods him or whatever, and he topples over and his head splits he open. Bifurcates. Yeah. I mean, that's just... That's just... Yeah. Slash of perfection right there, fantastic. you know. If that was and the only effect in the film, I, that would have had me, you know. That would have secured yeah. it for me. I think... I think uh, that was a pitch by French. Mm. And that's based in t- that's based on your extras, but it's been a okay. been been a few weeks. I clearly I need to rewatch my, 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 my own extras. Extras. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I've only seen it twice. I'd not seen it before. So when Arrow announced that Sam and I were going to be doing the podcast, uh, we did it at a screening, uh, like an all night slasher, the Prince uh, Charles, the Prince one? Charles, yeah. yeah. And so we introduced the burning. 
um, Tony yeah. was burning. And at that point, uh, Mike, int- like uh, Mike Hewitt, who edits the podcast and is a, um, a wonderful lovely, bloke. Yeah, a lovely, lovely man. <laughs> uh, Mike told everyone about what was going to happen, but so I was sort of delirious through lack of sleep the first time I watched Blood yeah, yeah. Rage. And um, what did you make of it? I, I mean, I, I loved it. I th- I think I might have dropped. Dro- Drifted off in the middle a little. Yeah. Well, that's, because when know. I rewatched it for the podcast, there were bits I didn't remember. Yeah, yeah. Remembered. But that was nice. That was a that was a good experience. And you know what? Like I think a lot of the time we would, um, especially in the early days when I was working through the stuff we could get, and it was all rentals, which I wasn't old enough to be renting. You know, like I think as 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 is so often the case, you know, I found a sympathetic video store clerk who yeah. I knew was a soft touch, and yeah. I could get my get my hands on my eighteens yeah. when I was. Like 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, <clears throat> Video Solent in Winchester had a had a, a deal where if you got the film, if you rented the film, got it back by six that day, the same day, it was half price. Oh, right. So uh, you were like seriously so running take, up yeah, and down. We'd, 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 we'd work out how many films we could watch in a day. We'd rent Well, what time did they open? I mean, what's... Uh, they were open at eight in the morning. That's, that's pretty generous. We'd go so, down yeah. there at eight. We'd uh, get as many, uh, as many films off the horror shelf as we could like yeah, realistically yeah. physically carry and physically <laughs> carry uh, work our way through them watch them on a 14 inch CRT TV on top nice. of a piano yeah. in my parents living room <laughs> was that, did sat you... on like not on a sofa just like chairs yeah, yeah. up yeah. near the TV and um, then um, and we'd rush back for six and if we uh, if we got it then the the sort of the change would be spent on things we'd watch that night. Nice. But the nighttime ones would normally be the the less popular titles because they were only 50 pence. Okay. Um, oh, well, there was a different rate. There the... were different rates depending on how mm. like how popular the film was. Oh, right. So we'd take mm. the one and two pound titles thinking, well, we'll get these back before six. Mm. But then overnight... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. We're yeah. going to be paying for whack. So all of the, all of the weirder films... Or the less rented films were cheaper, but those are the ones we watched in the small hours of the morning mm. because those were. That's the, the best time to watch. <laughs> so that's the best time to watch them, though. In this, consciousness. this kind of fever dream of like between between night and dawn to Absolutely. quote a recent box set of ours. But you know, it's that kind of <laughs> in between time where time doesn't really matter, and you're just kind of absorbing this bizarre phantasmagoria of seventies horror. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I wasn't unfortunately able to make it to the Slashathon. Yeah. So I'm interested to know how Blood Rage played to the Prince Charles crowd. I think it played pretty well. There were a couple of cheers. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the the effects are the big moments. I don't I don't want to hurt your feelings by saying there were a few laughs as well. I mean some of the dialogue is pretty, I would be disappointed if there weren't. <laughs> I, I think, you know, but I think it's um That's it. I think there's it it's very um some some people don't necessarily get that you can you can laugh at the at the flaws of a film mm. without without it being a from a position of hate. Like you can still love that movie. Yeah, uh, and I think that now with things like the Disaster Artist coming out, people are seeing that actually that's like that's actually quite a big deal, especially with the older stuff. Mm. But when people try and do that deliberately, when people try and court that reaction, it just doesn't work. Mm. It has to be earnest. It has to be all these in all the good intentions of a film just yeah. falling apart. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, there's, I wouldn't love these films if I didn't find stuff that was humorous, you know, yeah. but, but that doesn't, that's not like, like you say, that doesn't, that's not at the expense of the film. Whereas, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've, sort of screening of Friday the 13th a few years back where, you know, people were laughing along and, you know, the uh, the camp um, 
camp leader, Christy or something like that. Um, and there's little denim cut off shorts. Yeah. You know, everyone was, you know, <laughs> and I, of course, that's totally valid. That's ridiculous. And you should laugh at that. But there was, it was kind of went beyond that where it was like every single thing, you know. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I find watching older films with younger audiences, I do occasionally yeah. feel like you're enjoying this in the wrong way. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to be like pedantic about it. I mean, you know, if people get enjoyment out of it, then yeah. that's great, you know. Absolutely. I mean, so, yeah. So, Sam and I normally do recommendations based on the film that we've watched. Yes. Uh, and then recommendations based on just things we've seen. Mm-hmm. We have already recorded the end of this podcast so okay. i'm jumping around like some kind of time traveler so i know what i'm rec- i've recommended not based on the film mm-hmm. but i thought it would be more sensible if you were the one to recommend something based on the film yeah so i'll, I'll phrase it as a question do you have two and do them one at a time we'll alternate uh, mine aren't going to be that super obscure <laughs> but do you have two slashes that maybe you think people should more people should see don't have to be available they can be you can send people on a hunt yeah I've I've been on record on this many times so this won't be anything new but I you know sue me for it but I'm a big fan of The, the Prey which is an 80s well uh, shot 78 I think but copyrighted 84 um, as is often the way. Woodsy, <laughs> the Woodsy slasher, and I've you know I've 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 mentioned it in other places, so this is not really news. But I was just I read so much. This was you know this was one of the ones that I've came across when I was you know deep in my kind of slasher crusade, and um, it was just what I read a lot of bad stuff about it. That it was like padded to the hilt with nature footage. You know, just every every uh, you know every other minute like is like a hanging rock. <laughs> well, there you go. So you know, and 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 that works for that. And I, I you know, uh, so I was prepared for just a complete turd. And you know, it's not a masterpiece, of course, but um, it's just if you're if you're a fan of that type of movie, the woodsy kind of slasher, um, you know, the late seventies kind of aesthetic. It's 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 a very, I, I mean, serviceable. Isn't, it's not enough. I mean, it, it's just a very uh, enjoyable. You know, slasher movie for is me. It, is it uh, is it successfully gory? Does it have amazing it's, it's dialogue got, it, and unbelievable characters? It, it's got a few bits. It's got. I mean, this is one that hasn't really had any kind of a release. Um, so you know, the prints that are out there are fairly kind of murky. I mean, there's there is a decent beheading at the start. Um, there's a few bits here and there. There's. Um, you don't have to know. Sorry, right. no, 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 we don't even have to go. I, into I don't know it. where to start to extol its virtues, but um, the the pitch is there's a kind of a gypsy camp, I would say, in the living in the forest. Although this is all backstory that you don't find out, and there's a forest <laughs> fire, so you do find it out, but you don't see it in the main version. It's disgust. Yes, it's disgust over a campfire, of course. Of course, but no idiot jumps out pretending to be crops here or anything like that unfortunately one of my recommendations would definitely be the burning well which the obviously, bur- I mean, Arif, obviously Arif the burnings out. this is a perfect slasher film it's i mean such fun and yeah. it's it it was savini turned down for the 13th part two to do it didn't yeah he? yeah and it it was going to be the next big franchise which obviously didn't happen mm. but it's the first miramax movie mm-hmm. which is possibly slightly more difficult property at the moment <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it's got george costanza in it mm-hmm. <laughs> It's great. And it's, it's just um, a wonderful film. Yeah, it's it's just perfect slasher film. You know, yeah. it just gets everything 
you know, it just has everything that you want a slash film to yeah. have, you know, and then some. And an amazing um, soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, just absolutely everything. But yeah, no, to dial it back to The Prey, The Prey is no burning, but it is, you know, if, like I say, if you're a fan of these films, there's a lot to love about it, I think. And the, the backstory is these, this gypsy encampment who are out in the forest. There's a forest fire and there's one, I think, child who survives, of course, but obviously horrifically burned and living in the woods and, you know, just wants someone to love him. And, um, you know, I'll leave the rest the for... The mechanism by which he requests that affection is somewhat broken. It's somewhat dubious, yeah. But, um, but nice. uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's definitely one that I will always bang on about. And that's, I assume that's P-R-E-Y, pray. Yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, yes. There, and, but you say there aren't any, like, there aren't really great copies about? Has it been put out on DVD, but There's, like one of those crappy um, VHS transfers or...? There's, yeah, pretty much. There's a VHS, there's a US VHS. So it's um, one of these lovely, and I've got it at home, um, UK, like big box editions oh, with bespoke artwork for that release. Um, oh, like a re-release big box? No, 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 no. Oh, like like a, the old, okay, yeah, so the it old was UK a, rental. It, it was, it was, it did, it's not pre-cert because it does have a cert on it. So it's, but. Yeah, if it's copyright A4, that's, that's definitely post-cert. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. The, uh, weirdly enough, the UK version turns out to have uh, this this tw- twenty minutes. Uh, w- to come, sorry, to come back to what I was saying, oh, that sorry. you don't actually see the kind of gypsy backstory. You do in the one cut of the film, and for ages, again, I was trying to bid for. I'd heard that there was just the Australian VHS had these extra fifteen minutes that people were calling the gypsy cut or things like that, um, and I was like looking at trying to bid, you know, silly. You know, you know, an inordinate amount of money to get a copy of it, and then a bit more researching, and I discovered that it was actually also the yeah, same print as on the UK one. So yeah, I picked that one up. Yeah, Australia is always Australia was an interesting one. They they just like they have a bunch of their own evolutionary cul-de-sacs with their crazy ass animals. Mm. They also had a lot of like variant edits. I remember mm-hmm. the Australian VHS of Zombie Creeping Flesh was significantly longer than any other mm. version as well. So they they had their own sort of. Yeah, their own versions yeah, of yeah. everything. They were always worth tracking down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's just us, you know, that's what, you know, drives so, us, you know, like, yeah, exactly. where am I going to get the slightly, you know, the so one the, minute yeah, scene? So you've got the UK VHS or the Australian VHS both have the, the longer cut. Yeah, a longer cut. And it's kind of debatable. It, the, the, it's, it's a complete kind of flashback, which really doesn't fit very well into the narrative. So it's kind of debatable. Whether you need uh, it. <laughs> whether you need it. Of course, you need it, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, as, as, a, as an insane completist, yeah, yeah, obviously, uh, it doesn't really feel of a piece with the surrounding movie. So it's it's kind of it's not quite clear whether it was you know made after that stuff was shot after to pad it out or anyway. That's story for another day. Nice. Okay. Well, obviously, I've already sort of said that mine. I would I would push the burning on yeah. more people. I'm assuming a lot of our audience will have already seen it but I, we try and do one of those yeah uh, are there any others like a second choice i'm sorry i know that i've sprung this on you somewhat no i mean i'm always ready to talk to <laughs> slashes but um it's the nice thing about having arrow staff in <laughs> yeah i'm just i mean it, it's there's so many that i'm not quite you know i'm i'm stumbling to find out where to start i mean obviously the mutilator is like yeah. for me is still probably one of you know my my proudest let's say releases um one that i just really wanted to get out um and own myself and i think it's a you know a really 
a really good, solid slasher movie. And I mean, t- to kind of open it up a bit to kind of, you know, stuff that I haven't, <laughs> you know, worked on. Just, I mean, so much. I mean, um, Hide and Go Shriek, I really enjoy. Nice. It's, 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 you know, the killer reveal is very dubious <laughs> and problematic in the words of, uh, to quote the words of um, somebody I was talking to about it the other day. But it's, you know, it's, it's surprisingly enjoyable. I mean, obviously, I'm going to throw the Slayer in there as well. Although I sort of, um, I don't put that quite in the same kind of slasher yeah, camp. Slayer's a very peculiar beast. I mm. feel it, it, it kind of exists on its own somewhat. Yeah, yeah, very much so, yeah. A sort of fever dream yeah, of an really, island. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I could just I could just keep picking out... I'm sort of trying to visualise my, my shelf now. I mean, <laughs> uh, um, Night Screams in 1987 is, is a lot of fun with huge body count. Uh, again, hasn't really had much of a release. Girls' Night Out is one that I really, really love. That again, yeah, it's um, eighty-two, okay. released in the UK as uh, the Scare Maker. Um, okay, I remember seeing it. Like one of those old VTC yeah. with the gold spine yeah. videos. Again, just like one that I just read a lot of bad stuff about, and then I watched it and thought, actually, this, this good, I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying this, and you know. Who can who can turn up their nose at a slasher film with a killer in a, a bear mascot outfit with um, kind of knives for fingers before Freddy Krueger? So um, yeah, Girls Not Out again. That's nice. that's another one that I, I think is really good. Cool. I think my second choice uh, again, maybe not quite as obscure, but uh, is Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I I feel has a a, a nice uh, proximity. To uh, to the ending for Blood Rage mm. in a the kind of downbeat, kind yeah, of downbeat, yeah. what the fuck ending, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is, it is. I think the benchmark of crazy ass slash yeah. endings. It, I just, just chills me that last shot. The way it just, it's just that expression on, on yeah. her face. It's just, it's so. It just does it's that turn, horrifying. and it's just, just really gets under your skin. Yeah, um, it's, it, 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 uh, it sort of triggers something in the lizard brain. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely. It's something about the quality of the shot as well. It suddenly changes when you get that suddenly that full, the, the you know the wide angle shot. I think, and it just suddenly, yeah, it, it's very disquieting. I mean, that's that would be uh, a good top five or ten to do sometime. Is you know downbeat endings of slashers because yeah, uh, I, I mean talking of downbeat endings, Girls Night Out again has a really good downbeat ending. So it's. Yeah, well, that's definitely that's rocketed up the list. Then it's but right up there. I, but I, I, I'm a big fan of a downbeat end. But I, yeah, I mean, I, th- I forget how downbeat oh. the end of Blood Rage is um, yeah. because it's quite, you know, fun and you know, I beat through most of it if you can call it yeah. that. Yeah, but within um, it's within the confines of its subgenre. Yeah, yeah. And then the ending is like, holy just fuck, absolute. <laughs> and I remember cutting the subtitles on that, and just you know, she's. I'm tired. I'm tired. And it's just going on forever <laughs> and ever, coming across the screen. Um, Did you put extra O's in told to indicate the length of the... <laughs> I don't remember. I think I just, yeah, I was sort of... Yeah. I think I'd probably seen it about five, six times in a row at that point because we did multiple cuts of the film. And stuff, yes, so. indeed. But yeah, it's just, just so downbeat. That's, you know, nice but it sticks with you. A little you know, bit so. bleak. 
Well, thank you so much for joining My us. Pleasure. You're our first guest on the podcast. Hey, there so we go. Then. That's something. We've done interviews, but we've not had someone join us for a, the actual body in of the flesh the before. So, uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to talk to you about future projects. Cool. I look forward to it. You track down some of those whispered prints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, so like a, just a little, you know, message out to listeners. You yeah. know, I mean. If anyone's listened to this and they've got other suggestions of slashes, something that they'd desperately like to see, you know, come out that hasn't been out, you know, I'd love to hear people's feedback. We, you know, we get feedback all the time, but I'm, I'm you know, specifically in the slasher area. Do you, have a, do you have an email or a Twitter handle that you'd like to share with the I, listener? I don't, do I don't, I don't end, tweet but yet, but... You um, don't do, you don't Twitters. I don't, I've been, been, been contemplating hopping aboard the tweet deck, but... Well, um, I mean, that train is... <laughs> it's I think gone, it's, yeah? I think it's going to take off. It's gone, okay. It's right. going to... I think it's going to go somewhere. Uh, but we do have, um, on the website, we have an info uh, suggestions um, address, and that actually, emails do all get forwarded to um, us lot. So nice. we do actually see that. And likewise, you know, we read the Facebook comments and stuff. So um, there's many ways to demand those much-loved dusty slasher films um, oh, to have them dusted off. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so uh, that was, I assume, excellent and interesting um, because you're both excellent and interesting people. Um, I'm sure I will enjoy listening to that in... When? How long? A couple of weeks? I don't know when this goes up. I'm so tired. <laughs> I, I, I tell you something, people out there, making films, quite a lot of effort. <laughs> what? <laughs> As it turns out. But it's how long can it take? They're only ninety minutes. It's well, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's find out. But yeah, no, it's, it's I'm not complaining. It's amazing and the best thing that's ever happened to me. Speaking of which. Let's talk about the films we've watched over the past couple of weeks. Yes. Dan. Um, well, I caught a film at the cinema that, had I seen it in 2017, would probably have been in my top ten list. I don't know if it officially came out in England until 2018. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit confused about this. I definitely noticed it on a few 2017 lists. It was definitely doing the festival circuit, and I think it was out in America in 2017 uh, three billboards outside uh, of yeah no that's actually that's that's out now in yeah, the UK that will um, still be in the cinemas no in fact it, no it just came out oh, did it just come out just came oh out. I think yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I saw it at a, a little art house that had like either a preview I thought it was a tail end but maybe it was a preview they do a lot of those yeah yeah I saw it in Southampton at the Harbour Lights oh nice nice cinema yeah it's great it's absolutely great it's uh, it's obviously it's by Martin McDonough who did in Bruges it's Better than in Bruges. I really like in Bruges, but mm. it's better, in my opinion. I don't really want to say anything about the story. Uh, plus, you know, if you've seen trailers and stuff, you probably know anyway. Mm -hmm. What I will say is that there's a little monologue in the, in the end of the first act, I think, comparing the priesthood to the Bloods and the Crypts, which is my, my favourite bit of dialogue so far this year. Definitely the best I've seen in a modern film for a while. It's a fantastic cast, okay. and all of the all of the key players are leads of their own arcs. It's fantastic. Well, I, I know that you didn't want to talk about it too much. Yeah, so but I can I talk obtusely. You, I just yeah, don't want exactly. to describe the plot. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's there are bits in it. There are several bits in it that are unpleasant for different reasons, right. and there is a lot of really nasty. Like, it's nasty because it's so casual. It's mm -hmm. not like. It's not the focus of the scene. It's just what these people are like. Mm. And it's that makes it very uncomfortable. I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah, but well um, it. Now it's out in the UK. I'm going to definitely go and see it. And I will report back. Right. Um, I will 
now move on to uh, my first recommendation. Oh my god, I can't. I'm gonna sound so bad on this one. I just know it. I'm so tired. But part of the reason I'm tired is, in addition to sort of the prep stuff I've been doing, I've also um, been watching as many sort of touchstone films as I can um, in the lead up to, um, to to making my one. And one of those touchstone films um, is Vampire. Uh, from 1932, the Carl Dreyer film, which is, uh, it, it's uh, 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 one of his sort of early sound films, but it plays out very much like a silent film. And, you know, I, I love silent film. And so it's a very interesting example of the sort of evolution from um, silent to sound. And because it's so influenced by silent cinema, it's got just some amazing imagery and some experimental effects work that still holds up today. Um, like it's made in 1932, um, and you're still looking at the screen going, oh my God, how did they do that? That's so cool. Very experimental. And uh, the plot is basically a guy uh, who's obsessed with the supernatural goes to stay in a town where the supernatural is very much presented to him. But, you know, one of the interesting things about the film is uh, the way it's shot does sort of suggest that potentially, you know, some of these things are in his mind, you're sort of never quite sure what's real, what's dream. And it's got some incredibly dynamic camera moves. It's kind of wonderful to see a film in which, again, you know, made in the early 30s, which has a sort of hint at uh, almost Evil Dead 2-esque moves. So it's a really thrilling film. It was a bit too much for the audience at the time to handle, and so um, they, uh, they, a lot of people sort of, I think, walked out and then walked back in and then walked out again. And it's available in the UK as part of the Masters of Cinema collection um, that Eureka put out. Dan, what is your next recommendation? Uh, my next recommendation is To Burn the Sun. Wow. Now, we had, uh, we had some people complaining that we were bankrupting them by recommending too many great films that they had to go out and buy. Yes. So I've, uh, I've obviously recommended something that's in the cinemas. And they can buy eventually. But I thought, you know, let's. Uh, I, I I very much enjoyed this film. It's a genuine recommendation. But let's um, let's recommend something they can't buy. Lovely. <laughs> so Tom Betterams has uh, a group called the Indonesian Fan Project, and he is putting together long lost or presumed lost Indonesian films, and he's reassembling them from various sources, the best sources available, and then they are being released. <laughs> Uh, limited editions of 20 so as a regular um, a regular name check on our podcast now our, our dear friend Tony Clark Psychotronic Tony alerted me to these and I picked up the ones that I could get hold of and Tom very kindly sent me um, a couple of unnumbered copies because you know whenever you have anything made you have to get some spares done in case something's damaged so I think To Burn the Sun is is no longer available but if you can get hold of a copy of it, uh, Tom's on Facebook, it's worth tracking, uh, worth tracking down. It's, it's great fun. It's a 1981 Indonesian action film uh, starring Barry Prima, uh, who I was first aware of from The Warrior, which again I was given by Tony years and years ago. But it's a, uh, it starts off as a sort of slightly peculiar abduction revenge movie where Barry Prima finds notices his betrothed working in a, a strip club uh, as an escort 
and he thinks she's like betrayed him and abandoned him and it turns out she was abducted and forced into this uh, and it, it feels initially like it's going to be about how his response to her trauma which is you know pretty standard for 81 horror but uh, 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 sort of exploitation but it ends up being her going to stay with his grandfather and learning martial arts and becoming this amazing sort of aggressive avenger who can beat 10 people in a fight with one arm behind her back or punch pots out of the air whenever the need arises. It's absolutely crazy. It's all over the place. It's incredibly good fun. It's uh, directed by a name... Uh, well, the only named credit on it uh, is Arizal as the uh, as the director. Um, I don't know anything else by Arizal. I couldn't find this on IMDb. It is on, um, it's on Letterboxd, so I assume it'll go up on our list. But um, yeah, it's, it's really good fun. And I think it's the second, after The Warrior, it's the second Indonesian action film I've seen. So I'm going to be working my way through these. It Expect sounds, more recommendations. Yeah, sounds absolutely fantastic. And uh, when Dan mentions our list, that's the list that um, our lovely listener, Nick Vesberg, puts together for us. Um, oh my goodness. Which includes every single film that we've mentioned. And we're up to... I think 334 something like that yeah at the moment so that's very exciting here's another very quick one for that um, uh, if you like the sound of uh, Dan's film there's a Shaw Brothers movie called The Singing Killer from 1970 nice. that might be easier to get hold of that sounds like it may have a, a similar vibe but that is not my next recommendation um, my next recommendation based on what I've watched over the past couple of weeks is a film called The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant now, this is another touchstone movie for me. And, you know, if my film can be Vampire meets The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, I will be very happy. Yeah, <laughs> it's slightly a impossible. A small... Uh, yeah. <laughs> set the bar low, Sam. Yeah, oh, easy. First easy. film's fun. First film, easy. And, yeah, no, yeah, you say first film. Um, now, I'm... And we'll go into this in extra features. Um, I am doing my first film at kind of a slightly... Uh, later age than a lot of people do, uh, including the director uh, of this film, uh, Rainer Werner Fassbinder, who uh, started when he was 21 and had made 40 films by the time he was 37 when he sadly passed away. He, he could be a bit of an aggressive character, um, he could be a, a bit of a, a bully, uh, reportedly, um, but, you know, he made some of the most soulful films I've ever seen. This is... Uh, maybe my favourite, Bitter Tears, but there's so many amazing ones out there and um, uh, a lot of them are actually on Arrow Academy. Um, this disc that I watched is on Arrow Academy. It's an incredible Blu-ray. Um, it looks beautiful and this film is stunning um, to, to look at at the best of times, but the transfer is so clean and nice and lovely. Um, and it's got a couple of really, really excellent um, special features. Um, there's a very long interview with Fassbinder um, filmed at his home in Paris. Um, and there's a documentary about... Um, the, the women that Fassbinder worked with, um, which is particularly relevant on this one because it's an all-female cast. And it's, it's very theatrical. It's, um, and it's all set in one room. And the plot, um, I won't go too far into it because there's so much to discover in this film. There's so many treats. But essentially, um, it's about a fashion designer who falls in love with a model who's half her age um, and uh, she invites this model to live with her 
and um, you know the situation goes from there um, with quite a lot of drama, quite a lot of emotion, and really beautifully framed shots, um, wonderful performances. If you haven't seen the Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, I could not recommend it enough. And please do pick it up on the Arrow Academy Blu-ray because I want them to release more Fassbinder films because um, he is uh, an incredible director. Dan, is that it? Are we only doing two each? I think we're only doing two, aren't we? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, shall we go into Extra Features? Extra Features! Extra Features! Extra Features! Yes, so we've got a very exciting Extra Feature this week. I recently spoke to Sir Ridley Scott um, about his film All the Money in the World, which I absolutely loved. I think Christopher Plummer is uh, a miracle in the film. You know, you probably already know about the lengths they went to to uh, get this film out on time um, and without a bad man in it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I won't go into too much detail on that. But um, as part of the interview with Ridley Scott, I did um, talk to him actually quite a lot about the process of, of how he got Plummer in and, and how they sort of achieved this miracle. So if you'd like to know more about that, then go on to Yahoo Movies UK, which is where the full article appears. Um, there's also another article on there in which I talked to Ridley Scott about Doctor Who. So uh, if you like Doctor Who, um, it's quite a funny brief exchange. Um, but yes, what Ridley is going to talk to you about now is basically I was quite cheeky um, because I am about to direct my first film late in life, as did Sir Ridley Scott. He directed his first film when he was 40. So um, I basically cheekily asked him for advice. And uh, here's what he had to say. And what advice would you give to a 40-year-old director who wants to make it today? Uh, what would you say to, to you now? Never say never. Right, yeah. Never say never and just do it. Yeah. I, I mean, I was able to virtually be the Bond and do my film for nothing. I didn't actually get paid and all that stuff. Yeah. I paid for the screenplay and found the story and all that stuff. So I was able, I was right seated in the right position to protect myself and make a film, which actually got a prize at Cannes, so it was a good start. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That was Ridley Scott um, giving us all some advice about um, directing if we want to do it. And, you know, if there's someone out there who hasn't directed yet and has, thinks that they've missed the boat, then uh, don't. I don't want to watch a terrible film. I'm only joking, please. <laughs> you, you totally should. Um, and, right, good. So... All the Money in the World is still in cinemas, so please do go and see it. It is a fun thriller that uh, reminded me of Fellini and some giallo films. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is relevant to people who listen to this podcast, I think. Nice. So, Dan, this is it. This is the end, isn't it? Oh, and, and also do read those articles on Yahoo. Dan, this is, <laughs> this is the end. Um, uh, it is, yeah. We should probably do social media stuff, shouldn't we? Yes, let's do that. Uh, Sam, would you do me a favour? Yes. Would you not do your Twitter this time? Would you do something else? Yeah. I absolutely can and will, um, because coincidentally, um, I've recently resurrected my Instagram account um, because everybody tells me these days that uh, you need it to um, get the message out there. And I do take some pretty pictures, so please follow me on Instagram. Um, I am at Sam Ashurst 23. So that's S A M A S H U R S T, the number two, the number three. 
and um, yeah. Were some... you 23 when you set up your Instagram, or were you born in 1923? Uh, I am actually part of the Illuminati, and um, I sort of became a member um, again late on in life, and so on the second yeah, of March. <laughs> yeah, when, when I when I launched the old uh, Instagram, they did you know they liked the number 23 basically. They're so keen on that. I chucked it in there. So um, hello to my Illuminati <laughs> brethren, brethren. Um, Please don't kill me for lying about that. I'm not one of you yet. But please, you know, get in touch. <laughs> Just reach out. Reach out. Reach out. Yeah. Dan, yes. would you do me the honour of giving me both your Twitter and your Instagram, please? Well, <clears throat> as a man who likes efficiency and brevity above all things. <laughs> and who isn't a member of the Illuminati yet. No, no, they kicked me out. <laughs> too extreme. Oh, too, I conspired too much. Please, please don't <laughs> criticise the Illuminati on this podcast. I think you've got to remember the Illuminati is ultimately they're toothless. <laughs> right. Um, so, and they all smell terrible. Sam looks horrified, blisters. No, it's easy because they're both the same, Sam. It's the same thing I've been saying for all these episodes. Exactly. Uh, so it's at 13fingerfx. Uh, that's one, three numbers. Finger, like the little tiny toes on the end of your hand. Uh, and then F for Foxtrot, X for X-Ray. And Dan is much more prolific on Instagram than I am. He has some incredible pictures on there of all the beautiful work that he does. And I think there's probably a couple of his dog on there as Just well. Just a couple. Just Although a my couple. dog has his own Instagram. Oh, well, my God. wife right, looks yep. after. Nope. That's no, not no, happening. No, he's gonna get a, he's gonna get a name drop. He can he can get a name drop next time. We're not doing the pig's Instagram account. Oh, well, I mean, he's just a dog. Off the he's Illuminati. a dog and he's called Pig. Are you worried they're gonna come after Pig? Exactly. Oh no, my poor little boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that is it from us. Thank you so much for listening. We're deeply sorry to Illuminati and we promise to be more professional next time. Come at me, Illuminati. Come at him, not me. <laughs> bye bye. We will be more professional. Bye bye. 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 <laughs>